Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Well, the Reds are finding the groove and the goals are flowing with three more to see off West Ham. We'll get into the win over the Amers, the unbeaten run, which is stretching to 17, 17, and discuss whether firepower alone is enough to challenge for the title. And here to do that, we have James Pearce, Simon Hughes and Andy Jones. As ever, let's start with those three words. Simon, you particularly despise them, so I'm going to come to you. You know what? I've forgotten about it. Uh, not again, Tony. There you go. <laughs> Auntie. Uh, I'm going to go with, off the back of the, your uh, Tanner's all about the unbeaten run, title challenging form. Oh, James? Darwin the Destroyer. <laughs> oh, I like it, I like it. I'm going to say on the march. Well, let's see what the saying. I've said that every week, haven't I? Every week, the unbeaten run on the march. Well, why not? Well, what are they saying over on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group? Well, Terry Tripe, that's someone, that's blagging, isn't it? That's preposterous. Terry, if your name is Tripe, I apologise here, but I don't believe it. Well, we're back. I like it, Terry. Tom Hale said, Ali Max Pass. And I read it, I thought, Ale Max Pass. And I thought, like, <laughs> I like the idea. The Ale, of course. But I didn't get it. It's Ali. Okay, should be an I instead of an E. Michael Boyd, transition becoming contention? Well, it's a bit poetic. And Gareth Allen, special season ahead. You know what, Gareth? I think you might be right. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Well, a week of 3-1 wins. Wolves, Lask and West Ham. And the goals are just flying in, aren't they? James, it's all going well, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's it's a really, really promising platform to build on, isn't it, for the rest of the season, especially when you think you watch it and you still feel as if there's a lot more to come as well because it's a fantastic position to be in, to keep on winning, yet think, well, that can improve and that can improve and still got Trent Alexander-Arnold to come back into the side. and So, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to be positive about and it, you know, probably the most exciting thing is the firepower of this team because... There isn't another club anywhere that's got five attackers of the calibre of the ones that, that Klopp has got at his disposal. And yes, if you're being ultra-critical, you'd say Liverpool are still probably giving up a few too many chances to to be completely convinced that this could turn into a title challenge. But yeah, when you can hurt teams like they do at the, the other end of the pitch, you, you've got a great chance of winning any game you play. Yeah, I mean, Andy, you know, with them coming from everywhere, and, you know, Salah has been brilliant. You know, he's four goals, four assists in seven games. But, like, there's less reliance on them than perhaps 
on Salah than perhaps you know you would have thought this season, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of the biggest difference from from last season, and and that was largely due to the injuries of of Diaz and, and Jota, and obviously Gakpo doesn't come in until January. But I think you're right; you can see goals from across the the five strikers now, and it does help. And, and I think you see that in the fact that Salah has almost become a bit more of a creator this season, and he's always had the assists, but especially this season, it just feels like he's upped his game in that department as well. And the crucial thing, and we saw we started to see it in pre-season, is those partnerships and those connections and those relationships that each of them are all form. And now where they didn't even get the chance to really do that last season, and now you, you're seeing them and, and you're getting that, not quite on the, the level of telepathy that the famous front three had just yet, but you can see it's getting to that point. Say, the way they're all scoring... Just ship Salah out to Saudi Arabia in January. No, no, stop it. <laughs> stop it. No, you don't under any circumstances. But no, I mean, the, the other thing that strikes me is for the first time in the Klopp era, really, I think we can expect goals from the midfield and the midfield is being dynamic and creating things. You know, the McAllister pass for Nunez's goal was just something else. I mean, Greg Evans has written a whole article about it. Classic Athletic. Go out and get it, people. <laughs> Subscribe and read it. Well, as you say, I think in sort of the, the Klopp era so far, the, the midfielders, or the role of each of the midfielders being more around protection, trying to make sure that the, the opposition doesn't get the opportunity to counter-attack. You know, it's quite clear, I think, that the style of this team is, is changing. It used to be more based around, you know, the famous gegenpressing, but it's becoming more of a possession-based team, I think, as, as the years have passed. And when you've got more possession, I suppose you're, you're asking more for your midfielders. You, you want more creativity and potentially for them to get into better positions to um, to maybe score some goals. So, to be fair, that that, that pass by McAllister it did, did remind me a little bit of um, Fabinho at times. He did do that, that little sort of lofted, straightforward pass it's like, you know, let's stop messing around. Let's just dink it over the top sort of thing. Like, it's a very sort of basic thing in a lot of ways, which I think sometimes, you know, teams over-elaborate with what they're trying to do rather than just trying to get it into the box and, and, and put pressure on the defence. So it must be an instruction, I think, of for a player who's playing in that sort of central role to, to sometimes try and pick out those passes. But um, with the players that you've got, you'd expect Zobersly to... To get close to double figures, I think the season the way he plays, he's always seems to be willing to shoot and picks up good attacking positions. And so, I mean, when was the last time a Liverpool midfielder maybe scored ten goals? Has that happened in a clock era? Can somebody tell me? I don't think it has, has it? Unless maybe Coutinho, although he, his role sort of switched sometimes between playing as an attacker or a midfielder. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what numbers the the, the midfielders come up with at the end of the season in terms of goals. I think I do think. There's a huge difference in approach from, the, as I say, the, the whole of the club era, really, James. I mean, I, I I think it's possibly the most exciting development in the past six or seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it, there's a new dimension to this team that that we haven't seen previously with, with, with the creativity that this mid- midfield can now provide. And that's been one of the most, you know, absolute breath of fresh air for me from the opening stages of the season is what a difference it makes having a midfield that can run, that are dynamic, that are energetic, that can control games. The balance looks really good in there. I mean, Zabozlai and McAllister have been exceptional since they joined the club, but 
I don't think you can overlook as well how important Curtis Jones has, has become because I think, you know, rewind to the start of the summer and I think probably a lot of people would have expected Curtis Jones to kind of slip quietly back to the fringes of, of Klopp's squad and think, well, you know, he did a job towards the back end of last season, but, you know, now the cavalry is coming in with the, the four new signings. But I, I thought Curtis Jones, I thought on Sunday, that was right up there with his well, Your his match report was all about him, wasn't it? Yeah, I just thought, you know, a bit of an unsung hero because I think on the day, Darwin Nunes was always going to kind of hog the limelight, the quality of his goal, which was the pivotal moment. But in terms of the control that Liverpool secured, especially in the, the second half, yeah, Curtis Jones, I just think it's so impressive how much he's developed as a footballer because, you know, I think back to watching him when he played for Steven Gerrard's youth team at Kirby and, you know, he was this kind of, you know, winger with a box of tricks who would just stay wide on the left and wait for the ball to come to him. And so gifted, he'd beat the fullback three, four, five times just for the hell of it before deciding to cross it. If you'd said to someone then that he would become this like well-rounded centre midfielder who's so intelligent in terms of his movement off the ball and the shifts he puts in, I probably wouldn't have believed you at the time. You know, recently, I think it was at Wolves, he brought up 100 appearances for the club, only the second player to come all the way through the academy system at Liverpool and achieve that since Steven Gerrard, of course, following the footsteps of Trent Alexander-Arnold. So yeah, I just think there's a really lovely balance in that midfield department at the minute. And if Curtis Jones keeps performing like that, then you know Ryan Gravenberch is going to have to be a bit patient in terms of Premier League minutes. Do you think, because I mean, I think it's mostly online, but Jones seems to be still a whipping boy for some who don't think he's good enough. I mean, Andy, what's that all about? I don't know. I think there's obviously a frustration, I think, in, in from previous seasons of you know lack of availability and I think at times I, I, I always thought that Klopp tried to make him into a little bit of a, a midfielder that he wasn't. It maybe hindered some of his attacking quality, but I think in this role, and I think you've seen it by the fact that he's been a consistent performer, it now combines his best attributes and his more sort of attacking instincts with depression and, and sort of the off the ball work. And I mean you see the second half on uh, at the weekend, where his energy levels and his his chasing down of not not just one or two players, but he was a three four at times where he just kept going, he kept going, and he said he helped set a tone against West Ham in that second half. I think it is just they've, they've found a role for him now where it, it suits him, but also fits with the rest of the team. And you know, at, at times previously that that hasn't been the case, and it's felt like he's he's been trying to figure out exactly what you know he needed to be doing in, in certain. Positions and then obviously the injuries haven't helped, and but it it shows that he's sort of one of the old sort of the old guard. Now he was part of the last midfield group, and and sort of the people have come in to replace him. But you know he's not having any of that. And you saw it in, in the, over the summer his, his form for for England in the in the twenty one European Championships that this is a player who's making key steps at a, at a time when one he needs to because of the competition coming in, but also just in terms of his development, he's getting to that age now where he's ready to to continue to blossom. And I think eventually that criticism that he might get, largely undeserved, will disappear. I've got a theory about Curtis Jones, about why he became a, a whipping boy of the online community. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this are aware of the phenomenon of top reds. This being used as like a, a negative, really. So anyone who sort of supports the team and wants to sort of give them unilateral backing without necessarily going bananas when they don't sign the player that everybody online wants. He sort of became a symbol of the top reds, I think, because of 
the top reds are seen as more sort of local people, I think, online. And Curtis Jones being a local player sort of manifested into this this discussion, really. I mean, to be fair, you know, I think he's fair for criticism. Uh, and he has been at certain times. I think, you know, that yeah, he probably hasn't affected enough games at certain points. But I just think he just became a bit of a, a sort of a consequence of that conversation, really. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, Curtis, if you're listening at the age of 22, is it? you're one of the old girls, according to Andy. <laughs> Hi, everyone. David Ornstein here. And I want to tell you about the Athletic's new bite-sized podcast, The Daily Football Briefing. If you're one of those people who are just too busy for a regular length podcast in the morning, this is right up your street. In just over 10 minutes, we'll bring you bang up to date with the biggest stories in football all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. It'll be Matt Slater on a club's ongoing takeover saga, our club experts reflecting on big overnight matches, and let's be honest, me explaining those transfer stories that just won't go away. That's the Daily Football Briefing, every weekday morning, available wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com. McAllister. Lifted over the top. Nunez! How exciting could this side become? Because they're pretty thrilling at the moment. But the amount of firepower is just staggering. I don't think I've ever come across... I am old. I am one of the old girls, Andy. <laughs> Unlike Curtis Jones. I'm proper old. But, I mean, I don't think I've seen a Liverpool team with such firepower. I was thinking, I mean, for you know, for so long, it was the discussion, wasn't it, that, you know, Liverpool had this set front three of Salah, Mane, Firmino, and it was like, well, it's difficult bringing in, you know, another one of anywhere near that level because they know they're going to be playing second fiddle to them. And, and, and there was always that big drop-off, wasn't there? As much as Divock Origi is adored for... The iconic moments he provided, he, he never put together. Actually, probably Klopp's first season, he had that spell, didn't he, before he got the the bad injury against Everton. But that was the only time, really, that he put together a succession of starts that made you think actually Liverpool might have some some kind of serious backup as well here. Um, but yeah, by and large, n- nowhere near. No, that's always been an issue, hasn't it? That if one of the main men were missing, that, that there was this big drop off in in quality. It is amazing that they've managed to rebuild that forward line from from such an iconic trio, and and actually now it's a quintet which is unmatched, I think, across Europe in terms of in terms of the, the depth of quality there. Because even on the weekend, how demoralising must that be for a tiring defence when you see Diogo Jota and Cody Gakpo coming on? The other thing it's done is it's taken a lot of pressure off the fullbacks. This is a season where we're not talking about Trent and Andy Robertson as much. So much pressure was on them too 
to be the creative hub of the, hub of the team. And that's kind of, it's switched so fast that uh, it's almost like, well, when did that happen? Yeah, it'd be interesting at the end of the season to see how many assists the four players have for one another. I know, obviously, Mohamed Salah's on a great run of form at the moment in terms of goals and assists. And it'd be interesting to know whether that was, you know, by design or sort of a consequence of one or two of the things, the decisions that they made tactically. You know, the angle of the threat has obviously changed by the fact that Trent is obviously picking up more central positions. So it sort of means that Salah has to stay a little bit wider at certain, in certain points of certain games. I was a bit sceptical about that, particularly last season, because I think, well, if you get him closer to goal, he's he's going to invariably score, isn't he? But I think he he seems to be understanding his role a little bit more now. He's not involved quite as much. It seems to me anyway, he's not always involved quite as much, but when he is involved, he makes it count. I think that I think the really big thing for Liverpool is, and I, I watched the North London derby at the weekend, and um, you know Liverpool, it's quite obvious to me, have got what Arsenal just, just don't have. I really like Gabriel Jesus as a, as a player. I think he's a great player, but he's not a goal scorer. I don't think he's going to get you the number of goals that you probably need to win a league. Whereas I think now Liverpool will, will probably end up outscoring Arsenal this season. So Liverpool are in a, a really good position there. I mean, it, it get, as I said to you before, it sort of gets, gets forgotten a little bit. That I remember when Coutinho was part of the you know the famous four, as it was becoming styled. And I remember Jürgen Klopp was like really keen not for that to take root because pretty obvious that Coutinho was going to leave you know, in a couple of months' time. So that... They did have a point there where there was four of them who you could pretty much bank on any one of them scoring in any given game, but never five, you know. So, um, but I, I suppose what one point you, you, to counter argument that would be well, given that Liverpool play three up front, you probably do need five, really. You know, you probably need, you know, another two who are, who are you know, of, of a certain quality that can support the three starters. But now, I mean, Pick any any combination of them, really, and you'd be pretty confident Liverpool are going to score. I think the only one who you, you say has to start every every game probably is Salah. We begin to see a flowering of of Nunes. I mean, he had a good season last year. You know, they said right from the beginning that he was a work in progress. He needs a bit of help. It's amazing, like looking at the stats provided by Guy, our producer. He's averaging a goal every one hundred and forty-one minutes for Liverpool, and then. Um, on Salah, 134 minutes, Torres, 135, Suarez, 138, Sturridge, 140. I mean, that's pretty elevated company, Andy, you know. Yeah, I think he's he's looked a lot more polished and just more in control, I think. But also, while he's still got that sort of maniac side to him and that, that chaotic side, but it, it's now being used and channeled in a way that only is an issue for the opposition, I think. Sort of his, his hold-up play, I mean, up against Zuma and Aguirre at, at the weekend, you know, they're two big physical centre-halves who can, who can bully you and, you know, Nunes just stood up to it and, you know, you, you see the sort of the hold-up play initially for the penalty for Salah and I think this, he just looks more in control and I think the team now, there feels like a connection between him and the team and at times last season that it felt like he was this sort of rogue part of it that didn't quite fit and it was how do you exactly quite use him and um but now he he seems in tune with everything and I think that that comes from a lot more just the calmness of of what he's doing in possession I think off the ball he's certainly improved and I think this week's shown you know all aspect aspects of his game and how it's it's helped contribute to 
to goals that Liverpool have scored. You think of the against Lask is his pressure wins it back for for Salah's, I think, and there's a hold the hold up play for for Diaz's goal, um, and obviously nets the penalty. And but in and around the box, you can't get him. You know, he's he's always involved. He's always in the thick of everything. His his movement is unbelievable. And now Liverpool have got players behind him and around him that know how to find him, know the runs he's going to make. Sometimes he'll still miss a a chance that you think, how on earth have you missed? Um, like he did against West Ham, but. What what he's always been good at is he just puts it behind him and he'll just get the, the next chance he knows will come and he's getting better at taking that next one. What what's interested me is like players like McAllister who someone said to me the other night, James. He said he saw he's been a little bit underwhelming. I was thinking about that and I thought, well, no, actually, what he's done, he's subverted his own natural game for the good of the team. And I don't think he's been underwhelming at all myself. I think he's done a great job. Yeah, 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 I think I think it's important to put it in context, isn't it? I, I, he, he had a bit of a ropey start to the game against West Ham, but then got better and better. And, and you're right, it is it is a position that's new to him because although he, though he did play deeper at times with Brighton, it was virtually always as, as a two with Caicedo. I've heard that name before. What happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a penny for his thoughts at the moment, by the way, and Lavia. You do wonder where whether if they could have their time again, those conversations might have gone slightly different. Because uh, when you look at the utter shambles, they're a part of a, down at Stamford Bridge. So, um, but yeah, and no, I, I really like McAllister, and I think I think you're right. It, you have to take what happened at Wolves out the equation because it felt like he'd been abducted by aliens that day, and an inferior version had, had replaced him for the afternoon because he'd only played in Bolivia, hadn't he? I think 72 hours before. So no, he, he's he's added a lot of quality to this midfield, and, and I think he'll. It'd be interesting to see whether Klopp does keep him there for large chunks of the season or whether we do see Wataro Endo stake a claim for a bit more involvement because clearly at the minute Endo, who was the only specialist number six they brought in over the summer, is clearly still adapting to his surroundings and what Klopp wants from him tactically. And he didn't have his best night against Lask in the Europa League last week. So, um, but no, McAllister's been... I don't understand any any criticism of him whatsoever and you know it's great to see that link up between between him and Nunes as well because you know even the chance that Nunes missed it it, it was created from I think it was the Bosley's pass wasn't it into Salah's feet and again the kind of thing we just never saw from a Liverpool midfielder really last season that kind of creativity from from central areas and it, it feels like it's been a massive couple of weeks for Darwin Nunes because Although his record in general, you know, is decent, and the criticism of him last season, a lot of it was completely out of context. There's no doubt that now, he, as Andy said, he's so much more in tune with his teammates. He looks, he looks like he he fits now. Where previously you watched him, and he was like, you know, he was almost like the kind of, the kind of like the the part that didn't quite look as if he was in tune with with everything else. And now he's linking play. You know, you only have to look at the build up to the penalty that Salah tucked away when he you know after after he'd been brought down and it was all about Nunes you know the weight of the pass into Diaz and then the, the desire to make that long bursting run in behind and and then some of his work off the ball you know I remember there was a time early on against West Ham he's like he's back on the edge of his own box hassling and harrying uh, Mikel Antonio and, and there was another one you know, I think it was just after he'd scored and he was back on the halfway line, scrapping and fighting and winning it back. And, you know, Klopp, you could see that that probably means more to Klopp than actually the, the quality of the finish, because it was like, that's exactly what him and Pep Linders have been trying to drum into Darwin Nunes, that 
it's about what you give us off the ball. You know, there was that quote from Klopp at the back end of last season when, they, you know, counter-pressing is the ticket into this team. And it took him a fair amount of time to get to grips with what they wanted from him. But the penny's well and truly dropped now. Sam, the back four. I mean, obviously, injuries, suspensions at the moment. But you just feel that if there's the first choice back four, I think we can feel relatively confident about it. They'll still leak a few goals, but they do have Allison behind them. But if Gomez and Matter keep up this level, you're not too concerned about the odd injury or two, are you? I am still a little bit concerned. Um, I think it's the one area of the team which there's a few question marks over. And I do think it's the, the next area that will be improved probably next summer. And there's a reason why that'll that'll take shape. You know, it, it does need to happen. So to ride and back a little bit, I, I think that Alexis McAllis has done really, really well. I agree with what you're saying. And in the circumstances, had to sort of sacrifice his own instincts for the benefit of the team. But I just, I just don't think it's his natural role, really. I'd, I'd love to see him playing in his natural role. So I, th- I think that that is still a position that needs to be figured out, whether Ryan Gravenberg proves to be that player. He's still, obviously, you know, a new player, hasn't really played that role too much in the last couple of years. Obviously, Endo, as James says, is still settling in. I still think that position needs to be really nailed in the same way when Fabinho came in, it took him a few months to, 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 to get to grips with what Klopp wanted. And then when he did, he became the main man in that position. I think that needs to happen again with someone. And then I think as well, I think if Canate could stay this season fit, you know, that, that would give Liverpool a massive chance. But I suspect that probably won't happen. So with those two things in mind, the, 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 the sort of the, the defensive midfielder and the the, the sort of the change that probably will and need to happen in defence. I, I just think that they this for me still makes it a season where Liverpool kick on again, get back in the mix with the Champions League, try and push City as much as they can. But I really think if they get the transfers right in the summer again and they, they solve that little tactical problem, I think next season they'll, you know, you, you'll see them really challenging, you know, really going for it. Unless, of course, you know. It's it's not just about Liverpool. This is moving parts, isn't it? I think City obviously have been pretty phenomenal so far, haven't they? Given you know that they've had quite a lot of changes to their team, losing sort of key players over the summer. Players who played a big role over the last five years hasn't really affected them much. They've obviously went out and spent a lot of money to to replace them. But I I sort of thought, does this give another team a, a bit more of a chance? You know, the fact that you know there's changes there. You know, key personnel, experience, massive dressing room needs has gone. It doesn't appear to yet. Whether it will at different points of the season, we'll see. So yeah, I think I think they're definitely heading in the right direction. It's it just I'm not too sure whether it's as far as people are claiming at the moment because you know they they, they are still starting games quite slowly. And if you do that against Tottenham, the way Tottenham are playing, I, I don't I think you know you don't want to be two goals behind a Tottenham, do you? So that's where the warnings are. But they're definitely heading in the right direction. So news, staff killed you. <laughs> it might be sunny outside, but it'll rain soon. There's <laughs> a serious cloud outside that we've got to be really careful of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, Andy, that, but that, that brings up the question. Are we in a, a sort of similar situation to, you know, the and the run to Kiev where there was, you know, sort of lots of pieces in place and then the, the final 
part of the jigsaw. Well, not quite the final because Alisson come in later. But was Van Dijk and made all the difference? Are we one standout defensive signing from being for taking on City head to head? It's a good question, that because I think you, you would say that if Liverpool had their starting back four, so you bring Canate and you bring Trent back in, like there's not many centre backs you would say out there better than than Canate. There might be one or two. So it is more that depth thing, I think, isn't it? And I think, can Liverpool just put a, I guess, a complete 90-minute performance together and not not look, you know, a little bit ropey in that first, in that first you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Because, again, they, they probably should have, you know, they're the, the behind after seven, eight minutes against West Ham with the two chances they got. And there is that. So it is, it, it's one of them, isn't it? It's... If if Liverpool have got their first eleven out, which have, have we seen yet? Maybe once or twice, and the red cards obviously haven't helped. Then it might not be the case, and they might they might be ready. But then the problem is, is that you can't rely on Canate yet because of the the injuries in this season. You know he's already broken down once, and historically it seems that he's gonna it's probably gonna have a couple more of these these periods. So so maybe it is that step up to to getting that centre half who's of Canate's level maybe a little bit better if you know and and there's not many out there I don't think who are you sort of fall into that category but you know you've still got you've still got the best goalie in the world behind them which definitely helps and I think it is it's just about tightening tightening things up and I think that there's also an element of, of, the, of Liverpool's start and why it doesn't all look completely coherent on the defensive end is that you know there's a lot of changes to this team and Particularly in the midfield, that is the engine room, and you're not always going to get your position spot on when you you're still learning Klopp's system. And we've seen that with with midfielders in the past. Fabinho referenced already on on this on this podcast that you know, it took him a couple of months to to get exactly what you want out of them. And and even the front three, that they are all still learning about each other and, and learning the system. And I think Robertson's looking more and more like he's adapting to that role of that left centre back, left back element to it. You know that that may be where you know, can you get covered in there? Possibly, but I, I don't think if Liverpool do sign a, a big, a massive centre half next summer, and, and that it, that proves to be the difference, then you know you can certainly see that being the case. But I, with what they've got at the moment, I think it is just making those maybe sm- smaller improvements just in terms of that depth to to make you more well rounded as a as a defensive unit. And I think just as you bet, you know, that the midfielders in more, you're just gonna you're gonna see Liverpool get better and. Does one centre half solve the sort of I don't know the the malaise that has crept over them at times during like the Wolves game? One centre half doesn't solve that that enough that first half performance that because that was just a team wide issue. So I, I think it hopefully it will start piece you know piecing itself together and, and maybe Liverpool have already got the tools. It's just about getting them on the pitch and keeping them fit. I thought Matip was excellent against West Ham. Because I, I think that was a fear going into it. Is he going to get bullied by Antonio, who bullies a lot of defenders? And he didn't. He really stepped up, you know, and, and handled those physical battles. And Joe, uh, Joe Gomez, you know, again, someone who won't have got much attention off the back of the weekend. But how good was he? You know, I, think, I looked at the Opta stats. He contested nine duels and won eight of them. Again, people write off Joe Gomez because you know his, his Liverpool career has been so stop-start. Yeah, he's such an uh, unbelievably gifted footballer. You just want him to stay fit. And if he does stay fit and Matip can stay fit, then, you know, there's no reason why that question mark can can then be lifted and Liverpool can be challengers. We all have misgivings, I think, about 
you know, the the defense. But well, I I honestly think if they can keep if they can keep them all fit, and it's a huge if, uh, then we're in better shape than perhaps we imagine coming into the season, Simon. Well, there's no doubt they've started the season a lot better, certainly than I expected. I, I thought sort of the transition, you know, into this new team, new new style. It's obviously started the style element started last season. You know, it wasn't necessarily straightforward, was it? You know, it, it took it was you know some games it worked, some games it didn't. But the you know sort of all the key sort of creative players seem to have found their place and 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 understand what they're meant to be doing at the moment. As I said, we haven't really seen a a proper 90-minute performance from Liverpool yet, which, you know, you could look at it either way, couldn't you, as James said before, given that they've won every, you know, they've had such a good run and beaten, you know, some decent sides and got out of sticky positions. You know, you would say that that's a good thing. But I do think that, you know, if they can step up again and, like, deliver a couple of 90-minute performances, you, you will then start justifiably, you know, be, there will be the conversation about, you know, like Liverpool being a real threat this season. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Well, it's the League Cup on Wednesday night. And, well, I mean, at this early stage, Jürgen doesn't care about it. And we don't care about it. When they get to the semi-finals and the final, we'll talk about it. But for the moment, Leicester City should be swept aside, you'd hope. Uh, But big games coming up. I mean, there's a run of games that, obviously, next up is Tottenham. That's that's going to be a test. And Brighton coming, you know, on the heels of that. I think we're going to find out an awful lot about this team in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely mouthwatering that game away to Tottenham on, on Saturday night. And I think it will be a really good gauge of, of where both teams are at. And it that's the big question, isn't it? Like, can Liverpool... As, as good as the results have been so far, you, you still fancy that, that they're going to have to play better than they have done, I think, so far this season to, to get a really positive result down there. Because I don't, as Simon said, I just don't, I don't think you'd be able to get away with some of the mistakes that they have made. And, you know, the, they've, they've been excellent so far this season, Liverpool, in terms of powers of recovery, repairing damage that's been done in games. And you think of just, you know, how how dismal the first half was at Wolves, you know, the lost calls that it looked like at, at Newcastle, even the, you know, the chances that West Ham, you know, that had early on, you know, if, you know, Mikel Antonio misses that absolute sitter of a header, you know, the world-class save from Allison to deny Suchek. So, the, you know, these a lot of these big moments of of, of Liverpool have, have, have managed to managed to survive. But you think you give those kind of chances to Tottenham and you look at the form that Son especially is in at the minute, and he will he will punish you. We saw I mean we saw that in terms of that crazy game at Anfield back end of last season in terms of just how devastating they can be on the counter attack. And they are a resurgent force, Tottenham. They, they they've been really good to watch so far this season. And he is you know, it feels strange to say it, but he he's so likable that that you know, Ange Postacoglu and he he's such an impressive guy. You know, anyone who watched his interview with Gary Lineker last weekend, we talked about being a Liverpool fan growing up and um, he joked, the Lineker said to him, you know, you're still a Liverpool fan. He said, well, I've taken the posters down off my bedroom wall now. He, you know, it, it is remarkable when you think to, you know, if anyone, someone said to you, take Harry Kane out of that team and they're essentially become a lot better. In a way, it doesn't make any sense. Yet, 
it feels like a really difficult time to be going there. Yeah, I mean, there, there was too much reliance on Harry Kane. I mean, a bit like Crystal Palace and Zaha, everything went through Kane, you know, and and it kind of disrupts the balance of the team. And Postecoglou has got them in really good shape, Andy, um, and it will be a test. It, it's interesting how he's played Son down the middle. Well, the Son's cause does a lot of damage playing out wide and getting in behind Trent. I mean, um, you know, I wonder whether he'll be easier to deal with down the middle. Probably, probably not, because he'll probably... I mean, it was... When Kane did play, Kane generally dropped, didn't he, quite deep, and then Sean sort of targeted and attacked that that right... Well, that left, his left channel, uh, Liverpool's right channel, sort of in between centre-back and... And, and full back and you can sort of see him making those similar runs. Um, so I still, I still think he's, he's going to be sort of moving over to that side and, and Spurs, you know, have, have replaced what Kane's passion and his ability to, to sort of link up with Son was, was, um, was excellent and well known, but they've replaced him with, with someone who, who is very comfortable doing that as well in James Madison. I think that might be where the big battle is for Liverpool of, of trying to keep Madison quiet because if Madison gets too much space, too much time, then you know where Son's going to be. He's going to be in that channel. He's going to be making those runs in behind and and the, the number of times he's hit Liverpool is um, getting too many to count, unfortunately. I think Tottenham, I mean, I, there's always that thing at the back of your mind with Tottenham, you think, oh, it's going to go wrong because it invariably does. But I do think that this manager has something different about him. I, I, I do think as well... At this moment in time, he's obviously very popular, largely because not many people know a great deal about him as well still, despite him being a very experienced manager, you know, having managed Celtic and done very well there, you know, and been in the game for a long time. Obviously, I suppose there's this sort of thing where, because he's from Australia, he's still sort of viewed as a sort of an outlier, really. So there's an intrigue around him, I think. But I, I do really like the way he speaks, I've got to say. I think... He comes across as being in control without being overbearing. And it doesn't sound like he's trying to impress people necessarily. I just think it's what he what he thinks, really. So he's obviously a very good communicator. And I think Tottenham have needed that because, you know, the, the previous managers that they've had necessarily, uh, you know, I got the impression that Conte isn't one who will communicate particularly well with above. Whereas I could see Pastor Coglu getting a bit of a grip of Levy. So... I think it's looking very good for them and I've been very impressed by them. You know, it sort of feels a bit like it was when Pochettino was in charge. You know, they're playing good football, aggressive football. They've got, you know, players in midfield who offer a bit of both. I think Basum has had a really, really good start to the season. I really like Saar, who he's given a, a good uh, good exposure to in the early part of the season. And he's getting just loads out the fullbacks as well. Udogi, I think, looks... Top quality to me. Really, really good signing. Obviously, he, he was signed before um, Postacoglu went in, but he's been using them really well. So I think it's going to be a really tough game for Liverpool. And they're always closely... Cont- you know, when Tottenham have been at the best over the last sort of 10 years and Liverpool have been at the best, it's been a really, really good game to watch, you know, from everyone's perspective. So it's, I, I think with the way the both teams are playing, they'll both go for it. And I think it could be, you know, potentially one of the games of the season. Yeah, I think the the fact that they will come out and play should suit Liverpool as well because I think you know you think back I think that's why Tottenham fans are enjoying it so much at the moment the fact that it is a different brand of football compared to you know they've they've had some pretty dour dour times and you and you think you know how, how bleak it was at times under Conte especially so yeah I think I think it will be open be entertaining you know it's 
I'd imagine that Klopp would probably stick with, you know, you think maybe, maybe Canate for, for Matip, maybe. You know, Trent could come back into the reckoning if if he can come through unscathed this week. But I don't think, yeah, it'll be a similar lineup. I think I'd be amazed if he changed the midfield from the three that did so well against West Ham and, and certainly up top at the minute, you, you certainly, you want to unleash Darwin Nunes um, against this this Tottenham's team with, with Salah and Diaz either side. So, um yeah, it, it is one to absolutely relish. Yeah, it's one we're all looking forward to. And that's it from this week on Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Si and Andy, and you two for joining us. Catch James at, uh, at the Match Pod on Saturday, and we'll be back with Walk On next Wednesday. We'll see you then. The Athletic. <laughs>